This episode of the Cinema Vention Podcast is brought to you by Rotting Wonk, RozJ001, Jack Wolf, and Wearmall 3. If you want to become one of the names listed, go support the show today at patreon.com slash wscottis1. Hi, I'm W. Scott is one, and I have not seen the movie Fight Club. Uh-oh, we found another movie Willie hasn't seen. This calls for an intervention. A Cinemavention. Best of popcorn. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Cinemavention podcast, where we review and discuss classic movies that I should have seen long ago. Today, we'll be continuing our conversation with Kent Fallor from the Ritual Misery podcast. We were in the middle of discussing Fight Club, and the episode was so good that we had to split it up into two parts. So if you haven't heard part one of our conversation, go back and listen to that episode first. And then come on back and listen to this one, because we are picking up right where we left that conversation last time. So past Willie, take it away. And and one of the things that is like, you know, super unconventional, right? Like the thing that starts all of this, right? So Tyler dares the narrator to hit him as hard as he can, right? And that's basically <laughs> right. how Fight Club starts, right? Like, mm-hmm. But here's the thing, right? Like, it's like, that's not how fights in the parking lot work, right? Like, eventually the cops get involved, right? But nobody seems to mind. In fact, the crowd starts joining into a lot of these fights, which is bizarre, right? Like, like, I know it's, I know it's not supposed to be like a real story, right? But it's like, I just, I can't get over like how unrealistic this is, right? Like the cops are there in like five seconds if this is an actual fight going on outside of a bar, right? So, well, I I think it really depends on where it is because this was obviously like a dive bar. It's kind of like mm-hmm. in the like probably not such a great neighborhood, you know. Probably like uh, it's not downtown. Obviously, it's kind of out of the way. Um, I could like I grew up in a small town, mm-hmm. right? Like th- this was obviously like you know the outskirts of a city or something like that. But I grew up in a very small town, and there were plenty of fights that like you go out the back door of a bar. And, you know, you beat the guy's ass that, that, you know, made you mad in the, in the pool game or whatever. Um, and, and cops almost never showed up. Um, mm. so, and, and there were, there were plenty of times where, you know, fights would break out and, and yeah, a small crowd would gather and, and, and watch for a few minutes or whatever. And, and as long as somebody wasn't like actually killing somebody, it, it was yeah. very rare that somebody would, would interfere, you know? Um, cause usually, I mean, fights usually don't last very long, like yeah. maybe a minute, two minutes tops for most fights fair because, because most people, you know, most people aren't MMA fighters, right? We mm-hmm. don't have a whole lot of, whole lot of, um, uh, like stamina, right? So sure. you get punched in the face a couple times and, and you're throwing a few punches and running around a little bit, like you're going to get winded. You're going to, yeah you know, your, your face is busted up. You're going to end the fight. Um, yeah. So that didn't seem super unrealistic to me where, where it gets a little weird for me though, is when you think back to that scene, once you realize what's actually happening, right. It's a little weird because it's the narrator 
doing all of this to himself. Right. He's, he's, so, he's putting on a one man yeah, show. Yeah. So are people just like <laughs> intrigued because it's a one man show? Right. Like that's, yeah, that's what's yeah. weird about it. But also, too, like at some point, like Tyler is reading the rules like we played earlier in that clip. It's, and it's like, yeah. how does that work then? Because, like, yeah. So I, so I think what happened was so he started out by hitting himself. Mm-hmm. But then, like, because, you know, we see he gets an audience, right? So, like, you know, three or four guys are watching him. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of morphs, like, the, he does this a couple of times, probably. Mm-hmm. And then, it, it, like, people start watching him. And then he probably, at that point, invites them, like, he does the Tyler thing and says, I want you to hit me. You know, hit me as hard as you can. You know? Yeah. And somebody eventually did it. And that was probably that was probably the progression of it. Mm-hmm. And then once he had a, you know, probably like, I don't know, four or five dudes or whatever that like got into it with them and like, would just start fighting in parking lots or whatever. Uh, that's when he decided to formalize it as the fight club. And, you know, that's, that's where you get the, you know, the basement of a bar and all of that sort of stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. But I- at least that's, that's my take. I mean, it's not explicit. So I think it's open to interpretation, but that's my take on it. Yeah, sure. No, that's good. Yeah, no, because, yeah, that is definitely an interesting scene once you know everything that happens later on in the movie. That makes it a very interesting scene, right? (laughs) One of my favorite lines in this movie from Tyler, though, is self-improvement is masturbation. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't even remember what the context was for this. I know that I put it in my notes, but that is just a funny line. Yeah, so there was a second piece to that. I don't remember what it was exactly, but I think what he was saying basically, so self-improvement, like self-improvement in quotes, right? So like mm-hmm. um, you can even see this sort of stuff now, like mostly like in the form of mindfulness and stuff like that, um, where, you know, people will subscribe to certain um, practices and ideologies of like, you know, get into a good mindset, figure out, you know, like mm-hmm. find a time in the day to meditate, you know, all these sorts of things as a way to, and I'm not, I'm not trying to diss those activities. I'm just saying that some people um, like get really into those things as a way to improve their life. Sure. Like as if the, like just by doing those things, like that's the, that's the cure all that's the fix. Right. 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 Like suddenly your life's going to be good if you start doing these practices. Right. Yeah. And it's and like, think, yeah, that's, that's not realistic in the slightest either. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think, and I think that's, that's the commentary that he was making with that, with that statement, self-improvement is masturbation where, um, you know, masturbation feels good, but your your life isn't going to just automatically improve because you got yourself a nut. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I think that's what he's trying to say about that. And where Fight Club was his way of like you know feeling something and uh, you know growing as a person and you know and all that kind of stuff. Where you know traditional forms of self improvement doesn't do anything, mm-hmm. at least for for me from his perspective right so once again here's another scene that is like super weird again knowing the context of what goes on right but the narrator (laughs) and marla eventually meet up again by random chance right Mm -hmm. and then uh and then at one point like um marla calls the narrator and then like you know and then like 
basically like I, I, I bitching's not the right term, but you get what I'm saying, like kind of just bullshitting, you know. And and mm. the narrator does it doesn't have doesn't want any of this. Like he's had it right. And after he drops the phone, Marla overdoses on Xanax, and then just happen, mm. and then Tyler just happens to pick up the phone and goes yeah. to where yeah. Marla is and basically saves her life, right? Yeah. And then and then they and then they proceed to have sex a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so and I I think that was kind of the So whenever whenever the narrator starts starts to do something and then Tyler like takes his place or whatever, I think that's symbolic of the like switch in the narrator's mind of, right. of going into the other personality because this is like um, identity. Uh, what is it called? Uh, disassociative identity disorder. Right. Right. Where, right. Mm-hmm. where you've got like, you know, it used to be called multiple personality disorder mm-hmm. um, where he becomes Tyler. Um, I, I think that's what, what we're visually seeing when he sets the phone down and then Tyler picks it up. That was, I don't think in real life he, I don't think he set the phone down at all. Mm-hmm. It was, that was uh, telling the audience that he was switching into the Tyler personality because right. the narrator, the narrator himself was repulsed by Marla. Right. Right. But the, the Tyler side of his personality was actually attracted to her. Oh yeah. And, Loved her to bit pieces. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So when he switched into the Tyler persona, that's, you know, that's why we saw Tyler go to the apartment and not the narrator. And that's why we see Tyler having sex with Marla and not the narrator and so forth. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And yeah. And, 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 but, and, and eventually Marla and Tyler have like some sort of fallout. It's not really clear either. Like what the fallout is. I guess they were just like, tired of having sex all the time i don't know <laughs> but uh <laughs> well yeah i mean but, so i think that was more that had more to do with the narrator uh slash tyler whatever the which personality was dominant at the time sure uh, because whenever whenever we see the narrator interacting with marla it's always he's always disgusted with her mm-hmm. and picking a fight and and you you'll pick this up on second viewing mm-hmm. she's always confused by like when when the narrator is talking to her yeah because he's always talking to her all shitty and and it's like you know just like five minutes ago we were we were having sex upstairs and right we were having a great time and we were you know he was probably being very loving to her afterward and stuff like that but then when he would like go downstairs to the kitchen and then she would come in soon after he was a complete dipshit to her like just a total dickhead right yeah and and she would always just look at him like what the hell is wrong with you (laughs) you know yeah because from her perspective it's the exact same person right 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 um so yeah so i think i think that's really what was going on there was i I don't know that it was a fallout per se it was just like more which personality she interacted with most recently right so if it was the narrator that she left then yeah then she's got a negative perception of this guy. Yeah. But if it was Tyler that she had just left, then she's got a good perception. Right. Cause at one point too, Marla asks the narrator if he can check if there's a spot on her breast, because like yeah. he's trying to figure <laughs> yeah. out if it's like cancerous or something, you know, yeah. like if there's like yeah. a lump on her breast. Right. Which I, it, I guess it turns out there wasn't right. 
but it and it was like super uncomfortable for him to do which is which is interesting right yeah. again yeah, right which is which is weird because they probably had sex dozens of times yeah and he's <laughs> probably point. grabbed her boob <laughs> dozens of times right <laughs> exactly yeah yeah, yeah. No, it, it, but and, Marla being but Marla being a broken per- person herself, um, d- didn't like immediately run away from this guy because you know she she was also trying to, uh, you know, to fill a void in her life, you know, and he was kind of that solution for her at least in, at least in some capacity. Yeah, because you know? like a normal a normal quote normal person would have run from him immediately. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 yeah, that that's that's true. And so here's where the movie takes a weird turn. We've been alluding to this for a while, right? <laughs> we 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 keep like yeah. alluding to this point, right? So Tyler recruits a group of folks to a new club called Project Mayhem, right? Yeah. And Tyler makes yeah. it so that like one of the rules for Project Mayhem is you literally can't even discuss the fact that Project Mayhem even exists. Like it, it's basically shut down as soon as if anyone even mentions the word project, the words project mayhem, like automatically mm-hmm. gets shut down. Right. And like, and it, and it basically devolves into like a crime organization, I guess is the best way I can describe it. And it spreads terrorist, terrorist organization. Yeah. Like a terrorist right. organization. Yeah. And it's like all mm-hmm. around the world. Right. And even, and even well, at least around the, around the country, around for sure. the country. Yeah. Right. And 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 mm-hmm. and Bob is even recruited to this organization from his participation in Fight Club, and eventually yeah. dies in like a you know terrorist act gone wrong, basically, yeah. right? Yep. And like even at one yeah, point, and, and even at one point, the narrator is eventually told that he's a suspect in his own apartment fire, which adds even more weirdness to the equation too. Like, yeah, this is th- yeah. this is where it takes a weird turn, right? Yeah, well, th- yeah, this is where the where the waters get really muddied because this is when the movie starts to take the turn of um, beginning to reveal uh, that that the narrator is Tyler Durden, right? And that that the, and that there's a higher purpose for what he's doing. Um, <clears throat> and so, so, Project Mayhem is basically Fight Club 2.0. It's like the the next evolution. Right, mm-hmm. because the the members of Project Mayhem, at least the first members of Project Mayhem, were all from Fight Club. Right, and there was a so the narrator didn't understand what was happening, uh, but his other personality, like Tyler, had this whole plan for right. uh, evolving Fight Club into Project Mayhem and so forth. That that was significant and, too. The fact that uh, the fact that yeah. the narrator has no clue, like, and presumably the narrator has like it was not informed by tyler that this was even happening right it was just completely yep, left out absolutely. of the dark of this right yep yep definitely and so like tyler even gave rules to uh to the members of fight club about like you know show up at the house if you want to be part of the next evolution of this thing show up at the house on paper street and you will stand there until you're invited into the house but when you show up, you've got to have these items like he listed, like, you know, two pairs of black pants, two black T-shirts, a pair of black boots, mm-hmm. two pairs of socks. Like he had like a list, like a checklist of of what you need to bring to this place. And if you, you know, and if you're persistent and you basically you, you succumb to all of the abuse that we're going to give you or that I'm going to give you. Right. Because there's mm-hmm. technically only one person here. 
right. um, then eventually you'll be invited into the house and then you will be like initiated into the. This seems like a cult going. almost if you think about yeah, it. Right? Absolutely. It was it's very yeah. much cult like it's absolutely it's absolutely cult. And not only is it a cult, it's also a uh, well, like we said, a terrorist organization. It, it, it was he was radicalizing these people right and fight club was the the gateway drug basically mm-hmm. uh, so get people hooked on that that idea of um you know the heightened experience and the secrecy and all of that sort of stuff and and that could be an addiction in itself like any of that sort of stuff right yeah mm-hmm. um uh, whenever you have like a secret uh, you know you're keeping a secret uh it, it makes you feel special or it can anyway for certain people right yeah so like like let's like let's let's bring it into simpler term like if if you're planning a birthday party right yeah a surprise party for one of your friends and there's only three of you like let's say you let's say you've got a friend group of like 10 people right yeah there's only three people that are planning the party the three of you just formed this special little club and you feel special being one of the few people that knows the secret right mm-hmm. and and so, so extrapolate that feeling like probably a thousand fold, right. As, as being a member of fight club. Yeah. Right? And then on top of that, being, being given the opportunity to, to join an even more secret society, like the next step, taking the next step. Right. Right. Um, and, and there's, there's a certain like euphoric sense that comes from that sort of, um, uh, you know, being, being made to feel special. Right. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. You definitely want that, you know, if, if you're one of these folks in Fight Club, you want that, you know, and that's what, um, you know, it, it, it's a radicalization tactic, which, mm-hmm. is, which was basically what he was doing with Fight Club. And um, yeah, in, in Fight Club, not only not only was a, ra- a radicalization technique, it also allowed uh, people to prove themselves. Right. You know, like right. If you can keep the the secret of fight club, then I will entrust you uh, to, to join this other thing, which is actually the thing he was trying to form the entire, the entire time. time. Right. Yeah. And, 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 so, and, yeah, and, yeah. and when the narrator like finds out about this plan to blow up the headquarters of, because, so the plan is to basically blow up the headquarters of like several credit card companies so that everyone's, yep. And the point of this is to reset everyone's debt because if the credit card companies don't exist anymore, the the debt gets cleared and everyone has a clean slate. And I'm just like, when we were doing the watch party, we're just like, pretty sure that's not how that works. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, well, for the narrative story, it was, it's more symbolic, right? Right. But, um, but I think like back in the nineties, it was, more possible like more realistic than it would be now sure uh because of course today in like you know web 3.0 era like everything is decentralized right uh you know you're gonna have backup servers and backup servers to your backup servers and everything else right like spread out everywhere right like nothing's kept all in one place right but back in the 90s like the internet the commercial internet was brand new Mm -hmm. um like company lands were like in their infancy. Like a lot of companies didn't even have them. Uh, most like credit card companies would have had computers at that time, uh, but they wouldn't necessarily have the, uh, you know, like internet based databases and, and whatnot. 
So a lot of the records, at least the permanent records, would be paper copy stuff, right? And where mm-hmm. would you keep those? At your headquarters, right? Right. So, yeah. So I don't, I don't think it's super realistic because almost certainly, like you know, th- like Mastercard, for example, right? Right. They probably have record redundancy. Um, the, there's probably you know, several like, headquarters buildings, but also like warehouses with like copies. Yeah, of like storage places. Like yeah, where they've copied all of their documents so that if something like yeah. this happens, like right, exactly. So, so the idea of like resetting everyone to zero uh, is probably probably wouldn't have been realistic. Certainly in 2022, absolutely not a thing. <laughs> like, right. Not, yeah, exactly. cannot happen now. Yeah. Yeah. And even the narrator, too, like when he finds out about this plot, like he tries to report Project Mayhem to the police, but it turns out the police <laughs> are a part of Project Mayhem, too, which is crazy. Except, of course they are. Except for the one guy who is investigating his apartment fire, which is weird that he's not a part of it, but everyone else is. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he was the honest cop, right? Like he was, right. he was the lead detective, and um, you know, he he was the straight and narrow cop. Mm-hmm. Where you know the rest of the guys were Project Mayhem cronies. Yeah. <laughs> now, now here's here's the part that we've been like we've been we've been alluding to this the entire episode, right? While the narrator mm-hmm. is trying to find Tyler Durden, someone calls him Sir at like one of the bars that he checks, suggesting that they've yep. met before. And the narrator figures out that the guy thinks he is Tyler Durden. He then goes and asks Marla if they've had sex to which he's to which she says they have. And the real and and, and, but here's the thing, the quote unquote real Tyler busts him for discussing him with Marla. And like not only that, but we find out that Tyler was the one that set his apartment on fire in the first place. And like this is where like the craziness happens right and yeah. like so tyler so tyler durden is the narrator who set his own apartment on fire who indeed mm-hmm. did have sex with marla and mm-hmm. is the <laughs> only person orchestrating this entire fight club and project mayhem stuff like like yeah. like your mind just explodes oh, yeah when you hear about this yes and i love the way that the narrator described it too because he he was making the equivalence to um to airline flight right so like he said when 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 it starts to click that that he might be he might actually be tyler and tyler might be him right Mm -hmm. he says um you know lock your uh or lock your seat in the upright position or you know or something like that right and and then um, the, the like the music and like the soundscape of that scene, it's just it, like it becomes nerve wracking. Like you like you could feel the emotional ramp up. Right. Right. And then when when Tyler, when Brad Pitt, like finally confirms like, yes, dumbass, I'm you, you're me. Um, he says. Uh, we have lost cabin pressure or, or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, this plane is crashing, you know? Like yeah. We, um, and just, I, I love that scene so much. And it's, it's the sound, uh, the sound design of that whole thing uh, was just spot on. Perfect. It, yeah. To me is one of the, one of the most iconic scenes in cinema history. 
mm-hmm. is is that that Tyler Durden reveal scene it's so good yeah no that was yeah it was really good yeah because yeah because i was like my mind was completely blown when i when i realized that because i will admit it probably did take me a little bit longer to realize that this was the case but when i did realize it i was like whoa (laughs) you know and so yeah and i've i've seen this movie like probably 10 times and that scene still gets me like i know that he's tyler right Mm -hmm. but then while that scene's happening like i I feel that same emotion. And, that and same that's, and that's the mark. Me. And that's yeah. the mark of a good movie. If, if, Absolutely. if that, that's <laughs> what you're saying right there. Like that is the mark of a good movie right there. And so here's my question. Like, so we've been talking about this, like let's, let's address it head on. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. My, my question here about this particular theory, right. And, and it's, it's somewhat a theory, somewhat like it is part of the story. Right. So, I'm trying to figure out this whole time and I'm, and and to be honest, I'm still kind of digesting this and still trying to figure this out. Right. Even after watching this movie, right. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out like, is Tyler Durden a hallucination for the narrator this whole time, which it sounds like that's what you think is the case or did Tyler like die at some point or like ceases to actually Mm. exist. And the narrator becomes Tyler Durden to everyone because there are, there are particular scenes where when you look when you watch back at them it does not make sense that Tyler Durden and the narrator are the same person and yet there are other scenes where it does make sense right and you were saying like you, you were mentioning like um when pe- when the narrator gets addressed or Tyler gets addressed it's never at the same time right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. like and I really am still debating this in my head, right? Like, this is one thing where I'm like, I, I, I don't know. Like, is, is Tyler just a hallucination this whole time? And the narrator is Tyler Durden, or like, did or was Tyler a real person at one point, but then eventually devolves into yeah, not I, being um Tyler anymore? It, what do you, what do you? Think? I think it's yeah. I think it's pretty clear that. Tyler Durden is just a manifestation of, of like part of, part of the narrator's personality and was mm-hmm. never a real person. Um, and I think, I think upon multiple viewings, like I, I very, very much suggest that you watch this at least one more time. Yes. Um, now that you know the twist or whatever and look for those sorts of things, because like I said, I've seen this movie probably 10 or 12 times and, or hell, maybe even more actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, like so now every time i watch it i look for like i try to catch them in the act of like uh of like screwing up <laughs> right which i haven't caught them yet right so like whenever so here's here's an example when do you remember the scene where uh the 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 guy brings the car this was after um uh, the narrator beat the shit out of the blonde dude and basically turned his face into pulp Okay. Okay. You remember that scene? Yeah. So that when when they go outside, somebody brings a car to them, mm, right? And okay. Yeah. When he when he gets out of the car and he hands the keys, he he says, uh, "Your car is ready, Mister Durden," or something like that, and he hands the keys to the narrator. Mm. And then, so then Tyler and the narrator both get in the car, but they both get in on the driver's side. So the narrator gets in first. The narrator gets in first on the driver's side, but then slides over to the passenger seat, and then Tyler gets in the driver's seat. 
Interesting. And then, and then, and you'll notice this if you're looking for it, when the car crashes. Right. The So Tyler gets out of the car first and he pulls the narrator out of the car. He pulls the narrator out of the driver's seat. Wow. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff like that that there's it's almost impossible to catch it the first viewing. Yeah. But once you know and you're looking for this sort of stuff, like it it seems like almost too obvious to have missed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but that's part of the genius of this film. Right. Yeah. Okay. No, that's interesting, right? Because because it's interesting, like I because I think that when that's what makes this show so special, right? Because because here's the thing, like, yeah, we're reviewing a movie that I've that I've seen for the first time, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's like because like because a lot of people tell me like because I like I always try to figure out like you know why people enjoy this show so much. I think it's for this particular reason, right? Because I'm still processing mm-hmm. this in my mind, and like and yeah, like you said, like it, like a lot of people are saying like you need to watch this a second time. And I'm like, mm. yeah, you're right. I do need to watch this a second time, right? Just so I can see all of those. And it's interesting that you're still looking for stuff like that, like multiple <laughs> rewatches in, right? Like that's yeah. what's crazy. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I catch some. I, probably every time I watch this movie, I, I catch something else that's like, holy shit, look at that. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's yeah. Wow. So. <laughs> We get to the ending point, right? So the narrator tries to stop stop the plot himself. Like when all else fails, he tries to disable the bombs, but Tyler <laughs> stops him and, you know, like he was and basically says like I wouldn't do that if I were you. I wouldn't change mm-hmm. that wire if I were you, right? <laughs> yeah. But and it's interesting because he kind of knows what he's doing, but he kind of doesn't, right? And and he's like trying to he's like trying to punch Tyler and like try to like get into a fight with him. But it's interesting because he's like because he's hurting himself like but on the yep. security cameras, Tyler isn't even there in the security cameras, which is like if you haven't gotten it by then, it's like that's a dead giveaway right there. Like, right. Yeah. That that's yeah. that that's what's going yeah. on. But the Tyler persona, quote unquote, still wins. Right. Which is yes. which is weird, right? Oh yes, yes. That man had problems. <laughs> he did, yeah. And then so Tyler <laughs> then takes himself, quote unquote, up to the high point at in that building, right? So he can watch it happen and puts mm. a gun to his mouth, basically. And it yeah. So and the way to interpret that, I guess, is like you know, it, Tyler, it, like he's like, like, he, yeah, he's gone psycho at that point. Right. Because he's like, cause he's kind of pointing the gun at himself, even though he's not, but he is, but he's not. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but project mayhem also kidnaps Marla. And our theory on that is that the narrator, so the narrator, he, he becomes, when he becomes Tyler's persona, tells project mayhem to kidnap her because remember the narrator knows what bus Marla took because he told her to get out of town. Right. And that's where they were able to capture him is because when the, because the narrator as Tyler's persona knows this, they tell project mayhem to kidnap her. And that's how Mm -hmm. that happens. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the biggest twist of all though. Tyler shoots the gun in the narrator's mouth. So the gun goes off 
but instead of killing him, it gets rid of the Tyler persona in his head. Yep. It's like, what a weird way for that to end, right? That 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 is such a weird ending, right? Because it's clear that the gunshot did damage, right? Like he, like he's having a rough time talking after the gun <laughs> yes. goes off. Right. And yet it doesn't yeah. kill him though. Right. So it's like, I, yeah, th- that, that, that I, I, I still, uh, my brain still can't comprehend that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so it, it was a, it was a symbolic murder of, of Tyler. Right. So he right. shoots himself in the face but like he he's got the gun in his mouth and he basically shoots out of like soft tissue so like his cheek and like you know part of his neck or whatever but he you know he doesn't hit the carotid artery or you know he doesn't hit the brain or anything um but like he probably blew off like half his jaw and there's a hole in the side of his face um yeah so like he fucked himself up but he didn't hit anything vital somehow Mm -hmm. Um, but that was symbolic enough to him to kill the Tyler, uh, persona. Yeah. Like we see see Brad. Yeah. Cause we see Brad Pitt with the hole in the back of his head, you know, and he, and he falls down dead. Right. Um, so yeah, that, that was a very weird scene. Mm -hmm. Um, and in fact, if I had any critique of the movie at all, it would be the execution of that. Sure. Uh, like I think I feel like they were probably like 80% there on it, but the the way I guess because of the fact that Brad Pitt had the hole in the back of his head, but um um crap, why am I why am I blanking? The um the narrator. The narrator, um Edward Norton, um he didn't have a hole in the back of his head, so he didn't kill himself. Right. Like, right. He just kind of like shot out his like cheek and maybe part of his jawbone or whatever. Yeah. Um, like that in a way feels like sloppy, uh, sloppy execution. Um, but like, I forgive it because that's like the, that's literally the only thing in the movie that, that I have any kind of like, yeah. Issue with. So it sure is a weird way to end the movie. Um, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. and it, yeah, it, it it's super weird, right? Like, I don't know, like, because because how do you shoot a gun into your mouth and not die? Like, that's literally like that's not physically possible, right? I I presume well, I is- I presume there probably is like some like weird edge case where it's not yeah. where where it I doesn't actually, kill you, right? Yeah, I actually um. Uh, from my from my hometown, I know a police officer uh, that was on a a traffic stop, uh, just like a you know, probably a busted taillight or something like that. Pulled somebody yeah. over, and it ended up being a um, you know a criminal with you know somebody with warrants or whatnot, like a like a hardened criminal, right? Wow. And yeah. when he approached the car, uh, the suspect uh, pulled out a gun and shot this guy like in in the face, and uh, like left him for dead. And um, yeah, he's alive and well today. Um, he wow. had to have he, he had to have a little bit of, of reconstructive surgery. Yeah, I would um, imagine. Part, so, you know, yeah, because mm-hmm. it because yeah because it like yeah like it fucked him up pretty good. Like mm-hmm. like think Tyler Durden in the or um, 
Tyler, the, the, narrator. the narrator in the movie is very similar uh, injuries, right? But but I guess I guess worse than what Edward Norton um, looked. I mean, it was a it was a pretty bad deal. Interesting, um, yeah. But uh, but yeah. Anyway, so it's not my my whole point of telling that is that that's not uh, that's not completely outside the the realm of possibility. That is, that yeah. Is, actual and, real thing but but and 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 we'll and we said it earlier we'll re- reiterate it again like if you have thoughts like this please do not like there is help for you please do not follow oh. through with this and no absolutely and not yes. every not Suicide. every not every situation is going to end up like that right yeah yeah no absolutely suicide prevention um yeah suicide prevention lifeline.org mm-hmm. is uh, a, a excellent amazing resource uh so please if you're having any thoughts like that please check them out absolutely um but so that so that scene so that ends the movie right but not only that the explosions do end up happening anyway right which is interesting <laughs> yes. and yes. this is the way that they choose to end this which is like to wrap up such a weird and bizarre movie, they wrap it up with the explosions happening with the narrator and Marla watching it from the building, all while the song Where Is My Mind from the Pixies is playing. <laughs> yes. Which is funny w- watching this movie now because, of course, people might recognize that song from another more recent property. Uh, because it kind of had a resurgence in popularity because it was used in Mr. Robot as well. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Robot stole a, a lot of themes from from Fight Club, I think. Yeah, probably. No, I, I guarantee you that was probably an inspiration for Mr. Robot, if nothing else, right? And it yeah, just no took doubt, them no that doubt. long to like write it and get it approved and get it like shot and get it edited, right? I guarantee you that like probably... Fight Club was an inspiration for this and because how long TV takes to happen like it just that's why it Mr. Robot came out yeah. when it did you know <laughs> yeah um yeah so i i think the movie as a whole was was kind of a um a commentary on capitalism and like the evils of capitalism mhm and um the, well when i say the evils of capitalism what what i really mean is like the the um unequal opportunity of mm-hmm. capitalism right so like the it's like the idea that the rich stay rich and the poor stay poor um the poor serve the rich uh all of that sort of stuff that's that's why like all of the members of of fight club and project mayhem were uh you know working class right so mm-hmm. like he even had the, that scene where he threatened the police commissioner and said you know we're you know, we're the ones that make your food. We're the ones that um, drive your taxi cab. We're the ones yeah. that, you know, uh, put, you know, put out your fires. We're, you know, that's true. So basically yeah. like all of the, you know, all of the essential things to run a society, um, those jobs are, well, that's, I mean, that's why it's called the working class. Right. So mm-hmm. the, all all of the people that do those jobs are just making like if they're making a living living wage, they're just making a living wage. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, where the, what a lot of people see is like excess baggage on, <laughs> on society, like super rich people that don't really actually do anything for society. Um, you know, like, you know, corporate executives and so forth. Um, you know, they've got all this money in the world 
and can have whatever they want, but what do they, what do they give back to society? What do they contribute? Yeah. Um, basically nothing or very little, right. In most mm-hmm. cases. Uh, but all those poor folks are actually the ones like, <laughs> you know, doing, doing the things that actually keep the, keep society running. Yeah, sure. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, yeah. And I think that's, I think that's what like the message of this movie was. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a fantasy uh, because I don't think the movie is suggesting that anyone should go out and, you know, blow up credit card companies. Absolutely not. Like right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but it's, but yeah, it's like, it's just like a, like I said, a fantasy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure yeah, when this movie came out though, there were probably some people like questioning, like, okay, like what's the real point of this movie folks? You know, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, it's like someone in our chat earlier uh, mentioned that they watched this during a philosophy class in college. Yeah. Um, Captain Jack um, mentioned that. And, and yeah, I, I think, I think this movie is very worthy of dissection. I mean, shit, we've, we, the two of us have gone almost two hours on our discussion. Yeah. Right? And we're just a couple of, we're just a couple of, of, of jamokes. Right. 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 <laughs> like, um, like actual, you know, like philosophers and, and, um, uh, you know, social scientists and whatnot can, can really, really pick this movie apart and find all sorts of um, avenues to explore, mm-hmm. about, you know, exploration of, of, human society american society capitalism yeah um all of that sort of stuff and, and you know and not to mention the uh, you know the the psychological uh, aspects you know like we already talked about uh dissociative identity disorder and things like that yeah all like sor- suicide and, and prevention we talked, we talked about suicide yeah yeah all sorts of themes that like we barely scratched the surface of right of the that aspect of the movie um, yeah, so, so much in this movie to pull apart. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure that there's probably like some, some scholar papers and other like talks on this that no I'm doubt. not aware of, but, no uh, but if you yeah. have any of those resources, um, and you think there would, they would be a good watch or a read, uh, let us know, uh, email at cinemavention.com. Uh, cause I am really curious to look into this more because it's interesting that you, uh, that you bring that up. Absolutely. So with all of that being said, let's give our final ratings of the movie. So Kent, what do you give this movie? Thumbs up, (laughs) thumbs down. What do you think? I think it's probably pretty obvious to you and everyone else. I'm giving this a gigantic thumbs up. Mm -hmm. Okay. This, this movie for my rating, this is a very, this is an interesting one, right? So, like I said, I think I'm going to have to watch this movie a second time to really get, like, my official rating in because there are a lot of, there are a lot of points, like, for example, because we've talked about this with Pulp Fiction, too, like, watching Pulp Fiction a second time is probably a good idea to, so that, like, so that you get all of those, like, because the second time through, you'll have that knowledge going in, and so it'll be a different experience, right? So... For now, I think I'm going to give it like an in the middle rating, like because eh, eh. it because it because and the reason I give that rating is because by no means was it a bad movie, right? By no means, right? It was a great movie, right? But it was such a weird movie that it was like it made me feel like super uneasy about a, a lot of times and like. 
and and like and I, it, it probably is meant to do that in a way right but still like i don't know like i'm gonna give it a middle rating for now and if my rating changes after a second time throughing i'll mention it in a in another podcast but that's where gonna that's where my rating is gonna be for now that that's fair that's fair and i'm i'm actually not surprised by by your review yep okay yeah fair enough but what i'm not surprised about is that can't you do some amazing uh, work yourself uh let the folks know where they can find uh all of your work and what you do online yeah ritualmisery.com so we do the ritual misery podcast uh we're kind of on a once a month schedule right now mm-hmm. um that changes we used to be a weekly show uh, you never know what you're gonna find over there uh so check out ritualmisery.com um actually you know what that's that's all i'm gonna promote ritualmisery.com fair enough and uh and if you are uh if you are heading out to founder's day picnic which i know some of you listening to this podcast will be heading out there Ken, Kent, myself, and a bunch of other uh, folks uh, that you know and love will be there. Uh, so definitely uh, say hello. If you see us there, say hello. Say hi. We want to talk to as many people there as possible. Uh, so yep. uh, absolutely. Uh, if you're there, we want to see you. So so, uh, so definitely be a part of that. Uh of course, I Definitely. do a watch party for each of the movies that we review on the show. If you want to watch the movie with myself and fellow listeners, I stream it over on Twitch. I'm live there every Wednesday and Friday night. Twitch.tv slash is one But if you can't make it there, the patrons, you guys have exclusive um, access to watch it after the fact. You get it in your own RSS feed. That's over at Patreon.com slash is one There's also other bonuses and special perks that you get for supporting and I truly thank everybody who is supporting the show over at Patreon. You guys are what's keeping this going. If you have thoughts about the movie we discussed today, you can join the conversation in our Discord, discord.cinemavention.com. You can send me an email, email at cinemavention.com, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm on every single platform, and check it out, and leave a review if you can as well. Uh, all the links to do that are over at cinemavention.com. Music has been provided by Kevin McLeod. You can check him out at incompetech.com. We'll be back next week to discuss the movie McClintock with Clyde Harvey. That's going to be a fun movie to talk about. I can't wait to dis- discuss that movie. Until then, we'll see you next time. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>